Today we're going to be in Judges 18. Last week in verse in chapter 17, it talked about how this is the first of the two conclusions to the book, chapter 17 and 18. And so last week in chapter 17, we looked at a man named Micah who had stolen from his mother, and then his mother, when he gives the money back, says she's going to dedicate it all to God. Instead, she just dedicates a portion. But with that, Micah makes an ephod, uh, a priestly garment, so that he can have his own priests, and he makes his own idols. And so Micah's making up his own religion. His, His mother was of that same ilk, and that's what we're seeing here, is that because there is no king in Israel, God is no longer their king, as that was the way God had set it up when they came into the promised land, that he would be their king. And throughout Joshua, we begin to see that take place, but then it judges as things fall farther and farther away from God, and they need these men, these men, these judges that God raises up to lead them. They're not being led by God. They're being led by these fallible, failable men who keep failing worse and worse. That God is no longer in the picture. He's not ruling in any sense. And so every man is doing what is right in his own eyes. And so we see them not only worshiping other gods, but sort of making this man-made religion of taking part of what they know from Yahweh their God and part of what they see in the world around them, and they mix it together. We looked at last week, the three things we saw were syncretism, they took different things and they meshed them together, this relativism, everyone did what was right in their own eyes, and materialism was all about how they were going to be blessed through what they were doing. It's all it's all very temporary and here and now. It's it, When you take God out of the picture, it, it eliminates all of that future hope and the building for anything that matters. And it's all about right now. It's interesting if you study man-made religions, religions throughout the world, there's a lot of greed. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of, it's like they take just enough elements of truth from what God has revealed about himself for it to be enticing. But then, because it is man-made, nothing good comes of it. That's our big idea as we look at this chapter 18, is that man-made religion only ends in failure. Man-made religion only ends in failure. So as we begin today, we'll look at Judges 18. Start with verse 1. In those days there was no king of Israel... And in those days, the tribe of the Danites was seeking an inheritance for themselves to live in. For until that day, an inheritance had not been allotted to them as a possession among the other tribes of Israel. So again, we begin here with this, another reminder from the author that God is not in charge anymore. There is no king. This isn't talking about we don't have a man man who is king. This is God is no longer in the picture. And so they're living these unrestrained lives. They're doing whatever they want because God is no longer their king. And then he's going to follow that by giving us abundant evidence of how they're living here in chapter 18. And said there that the Danites were seeking an inheritance for themselves to live in for until that day, 
inheritance had not been allotted to them as a possession among the tribes of Israel. Now, if this story takes place before they are told where they're going to have their inheritance, it would take place all the way back in Joshua. The more likely case is that they just hadn't conquered the portion of the promised land that had been promised to them. They were unwilling to fight the Amorites to drive them out so that they could take possession of their inheritance. And so as they view it, they don't have an inheritance because whoever is taking hold of that land is too much for them to get rid of. And so they're going and seeking somewhere else to call their own. Verse 2, so the sons of Dan sent from their family five men out of their whole number, valiant men from Zorah and Eshtol, to spy out the land and to search it. And they said to them, go search the land. And they came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, and lodged there. Okay, so the tribe of Dan sends out these five men to investigate where else can we go? What, what place can we call our own? And it mentions Zorah and Eshtol here. This is the area that Samson grew up. And from there, they're, they're going out and looking, where can we go? Because the Amorites have taken over their land, and now the Philistines are coming in. And so where can we go to call something our own? It's interesting here. They gather these five men. And they're, they're spies. It's like the spies that Moses and later Joshua sent before them into the promised land. They're sending these men out to find a place. But as closely as that parallels those other stories, this is not ordained of God. God has told them where their inheritance is, and they are choosing for themselves, not trusting in him, not following what he has given for them, and going and looking for something else. There's no reference to God leading the Danites to do this. Verses 3 to 6. And when they were near the house of Micah, they recognized the voice of the young man, the Levite. And they turned aside and said to him, Who brought you here? And what are you doing in this place? And what do you have here? He said to them, Thus and so has Micah done to me, and he has hired me, and I have become his priest. And they said to him, Inquire of God, please, that we may know whether our way on which we are going will be prosperous. The priest said to them, Go in peace. Your way in which you are going has the Lord's approval. And so evidently this, this Levite had the distinctive voice of someone from the tribe of Levi, and so that they recognize him, and they, What are you doing here? And he tells them, I've been hired by this man to be a priest. And so after learning what he's doing there, the Danites explain their mission, and they ask, for him to tell them, is, is God going to bless this or not? Will, will this work out for us? And again, as we'll find out at the end of this chapter, I said it last week, but the temple at this time was in Shiloh. It was only a few miles away. If they really wanted to know God's will for their mission, for what they should be doing, they would have gone to the tabernacle. Instead, they, they take this convenient route and this this sham of a priest in Micah's household using an ephod that Micah made to try and figure out what God's will is. And then this Levite priest tells them what they want to hear. So often that's 
what we see when we're talking to people we know, when we're things we're hearing in church, is that we're told what we want to hear instead of the truth. The truth was that they had been given an inheritance. They needed to take control of their own inheritance. And yet he just glosses right over all of that and tells them exactly what they want to hear. Because in thinking of who this priest is and that he is a sham, it's highly, highly unlikely that he did get an answer from God. And he's just making this up and trying to gain favor with these men. Verse 7, Then the five men departed and came to Laish, and then they saw the people who were in it living in security, after the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and secure, for there was no ruler humiliating them for anything in the land, and they were far from the Sidonians and had no dealings with anyone. So these five spies, these Danites, they go about 100 miles north and they find this small town called Laish. And they think that this will be perfect for what their needs are. It's isolated. They believe they can capture it fairly easily. And it's in this beautiful location at the southwestern foothills of Mount Hermon. Verses 8 through 10. When they came back to their brothers at Zorah and Eshtual, their brothers said to them, what do you report? They said, Arise, and let us go up against them. For we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good. And will you sit still? Do not delay to enter and possess the land. When you enter, you will come to a secure people with a spacious land, for God has given it into your hand, a place where there is no lack of anything that is on earth. So, these Danites, they're encouraged by what this Levite has told them, and they see this perfect place, and so they come back and tell their brethren that, I don't know, we found the place, it's perfect, and uh, God's with us, so let's go and, and take this. And you notice all the things they, they say about the land. It is very good. Possess the land. There's no lack of anything. These are all, all points towards the Israelites coming into the promised land through God's will. But here they are not in God's will. They are doing their own thing, trying to take over this place. And yet they're bringing in these little elements as they're telling this to their brethren that make it seem like this is what God has for them. The Danite spies were trying to provide this security for their tribe, and it's contrary to God's previous directions. Again, that the saying there when they said, for God has given it into your hand, that was Joshua's battle cry. They're bringing in all these elements to try and make it seem like God is in this, even though this is contrary to what God had revealed to them. So they were unable or unwilling to claim what God had given them, and so they decided they're going to go up here to Laish. They were eager to march hundreds of miles north and battle other Canaanites for a land that seemed to suit them better. It's interesting here, you know, that the Israelites were told to conquer the entire promised land, to drive all the Canaanites out. Laish lay within the promised land, but 
they were circumventing God here. This is, God had told them, this is your land. They should have conquered it. And once all the tribes had conquered their land, they would have claimed all of the promised land. So we see this is definitely not what God's will was. Verses 11 to 13. Then from the family of the Danites, from Zorah and from Eshtual, 600 men armed with weapons of war set out. They went up and camped at Karith Jerim in Judah. Therefore they called the place Manah Dan to this day, because hold it is west of the Karith Jerim. And they passed from there to the hill country of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. So they have this plan and to initiate it, they sent out this army of 600 men. Verse 14, Then the five men who went to spy out the country of Leish said to their kinsmen, Do you know that there are in these houses an ephod and household idols and a graven image and a molten image? Now therefore consider what you should do. They turned aside there and came to the house of the young man, the Levite, to the house of Micah, and said to him of his welfare, The six hundred men armed with their weapons of war, who were the sons of Dan, stood by the entrance of the gate. Now the five men who went to spy out the land went up and entered there and took the graven image and ephod and household idols and the molten image while the priest stood by the entrance of the gate with the six hundred men armed with weapons of war. When these went into Micah's house and took the graven image, the ephod and the idols, and the household idols, and the molten image, the priest said to them, What are you doing? And they said to him, Be silent, put your hand over your mouth, and come with us. And be to us a father and a priest. It is better for you to be a priest, or is it better for you to be a priest to the house of one man, or to be priest to a tribe and family in Israel? And the priest's heart was glad, and he took the ephod and household idols, and graven image, and went among the people. So this army of 600 people, as they're going to Laish, they come across this house and the, the spies tell everyone else, hey, this guy's got an ephod and he's got a priest and he's got these idols. What do you think you should do? Well, if they were on a mission from God, they would have destroyed all of it. But instead, they take it for themselves. But how much more will we be blessed if we have these things? How much more is our victory secure? They stole Micah's images and his priest. And they convinced this Levite that it'd be better for him to be, you know, the priest over a whole tribe instead of just one man's family. They're appealing to his pride, to his, probably his sense of well-being as well, that he will be safer, that look at all these men with swords, and if he's the priest over the whole tribe, they'll probably take better care of him financially as well. This opportunity for larger ministry, it didn't matter to him that it, it was not of God. It clearly was not of God. He was only thinking of himself. Verse 21, Then they turned and departed and put the little ones and the livestock and the valuables in front of them. When they had gone some distance from the house of Micah, the men who were in the houses near Micah's house assembled and overtook the sons of Dan. They cried to the sons of Dan, who turned around and said to Micah, What is the matter with you that you have assembled together? He said, And he said, You have taken away my gods, which I made, 
and the priests that have gone away. And what do I have besides? So how can you say to me, what is the matter with you? And the sons of Dan said to him, do not let your voice be heard among us, or else fierce men will fall upon you and you will lose your life with the lives of your household. So the sons of Dan went the other way, and when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back to his house. So Micah gathers some of his neighbors together, and they pursue these 600 men of the tribe of Dan. And you can imagine for their the neighbors, they're probably participating in whatever false religion and whatever Micah's got going on at his house, he's trying to bless them his neighbors with it as well. And so they've all feel like they've lost something. And so they're going to go after these men. But the Danites were stronger than he anticipated. And he had to withdraw without fight. Again, this is what Israel has come to. They're, they're fighting amongst themselves over false gods. And how sad is it to read Micah's response there? Well, you've taken the gods that I made. I mean, that should sound ridiculous. But to him, this is everything he's got. This is the source of all of his blessing in his mind. And he's devastated. And yet he has to just turn and walk away from these gods that he made and from this priest that he made a priest when he says there, what do I have besides this? It shows the emptiness and the, the total captivity of idolatry. That if when we are worshiping something other than God, because nothing else is worthy of worship, we're always going to be let down. And when we are let down, there's nothing else. And that's where Micah finds himself here. Verse 27, then they took what Micah had made and the priest who had belonged to him and came to Laish, to a people quiet and secure, and struck them with the edge of the sword, and they burned the city with fire. And there was no one to deliver them because it was far from Sidon, and they had no dealings with anyone. And it was in the valley which is near Beth Rehob, and they built a city and lived in it. Then they called the name of the city Dan after the name of Dan, their father, who was born in Israel. However, the name of the city formerly was Laish. The sons of Dan set up for themselves the graven image. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests of the tribe of the Danites until the day of captivity of the land. So they set up for themselves Micah's graven image, which he had made. All the time the house of God was in Shiloh. So these 600 warriors of the tribe of Dan, they come up to this quiet city that is isolated, and they wipe it out. They burn the city. This town that seemed so desirable to them was really a, a very vulnerable place. It was cut off from receiving help. So that advantage really proved to be a weakness that was shown when they took it over. Verse 27, it tells that the Danites brought three things, the gods that Micah had made, the priests that they took from him, and then they took over this town that could not defend itself. And it's on these 
flimsy foundations that the Danites built what was to be their future here in the north. And not all of the tribe of Dan moved up there, but a good number of them did. Some stayed down in the territory where they were supposed to be. But this is definitely contrary to God's will. And it's proven by the fact they're setting up these idols, that this is, this is who they are. They're not seeking God's will. They're seeking to be blessed by anything and everything, claiming to seek God's will, but also worshiping these idols. Interesting here at the very end of the chapter, we get to know the name and the lineage of this Levite priest who we met in chapter 17, who Micah made the priest over his house, that he is, his name is Jonathan. He's the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh. He, he's a descendant of Moses. And as this whole story has been shocking to anyone who would read it, that this is what they have come to. To see that this descendant of Moses is this fake priest would be like the climax to that shock, that this is where Israel is. The revelation of his identity as Moses' descendant tells us just how far away we are from God. And Moses, in the way he was so in tune with God and talked with God and the way God worked through him, and yet his descendant here has no regard for God. So as we looked at man-made religion, the way it brings in all these different elements, and we see that. We see it with Micah. We see it with the Danites. Relativism. They, they had been given their land. But there was no king, and so they did what they want. They wanted something different, something outside of God's will for them. And so they do these terrible things. And materialism, it's all about how does this benefit us? We see it in Micah. We see it in the Danites. We see it in this priest. So as we look at that, that idea of what becomes of man-made religion, that it, it never ends well, it ends only in failure. We saw that clearly with Micah, right? That the, he, he lost to him what was everything. He has all this silver from his mother, and he makes this ephod, and he hires a priest, and he makes these gods, and he thinks he's set. Then it gets stolen, and to him he has nothing. His Everything is a failure. He's left with nothing. Even more interesting for the Danites, because we don't see here in the story that God judged them or what became of them, but the Danites, because of their what they've done here, and they've spread themselves out, and they have no commitment to God, that their tribe eventually ends up just becoming assimilated into the people around them, that the tribe of Dan is no longer. That even in Revelation, when the 144,000 witnesses are taken from the tribes of Israel, there's no mention of any of them coming from the tribe of Dan. That because they chose what they wanted over what God wanted, because they made their own religion, because they have become so far gone, 
that they eventually would cease to exist. As we look at our world today, and the vast number of religions and sects of religion and everything there is out there, all these ways that people are finding ways to worship, whether that is a false god or whether it's themselves or their possessions or whatever it is, that all of these man-made religions are doomed to failure. That it doesn't matter if we see this enormous rise in Islam around the world. One day God will put an end to it. Or in our own community, the, the rise of the Mormon church and how quickly they seem to grow and how much money the church makes and all these things, that it is not of God, it is of man. And God will put an end to it. That all man-made religions end in failure. And again, the, the important thing that we come down to that is how do I build for the future? Well, I build on what God has revealed. To all of Israel, God had revealed how to worship himself, and yet they chose different ways. To the tribe of Dan, he had revealed to them where their land would be, and yet they chose something else for themselves. Through all of these things that we see end in failure there, we need to take heart of that and know that it is in God's word and his revelation of himself that we know how to worship him, to worship him alone, worship no other gods. We don't worship ourselves. We worship him in humility because of who he is. We put him in charge of our lives. And it's in doing those things that we are building for the future and not building for destruction. Building for something that will be consumed immediately. But building for all of eternity and bringing glory to God now.